You know who you're worshiping this morning? Jesus. Jesus, that God established and gave him a name that is above every name. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue would proclaim that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You have already proclaimed that today. We have already seen it proclaimed in the baptistry tank. And we're gonna continue to hear from the Lord and give you and I an opportunity to exalt him in our lives as we open the word together. You ready? All right, so have a seat, grab your Bibles, and let's go to Matthew chapter 24. You ought to grab yourself a bookmark or something or take that little string thing that's in your Bible and like, um, you know, pull it around to Matthew 24. Um, Because we're just going to keep flopping back open to that week after week after week as we go through our new series. Thank you, brother. You did that perfectly, Tyler. I thank you for that. Well, if I had to be honest, I know, right? You ever had anybody use that on you? You know, well, if I had to be, how many of you have used that before? Well, if I had to be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't we always have to be honest? Yes. Isn't honesty the foundation of every relationship? Yes. Not as excited about that answer. What relationship do you have if you do not have an honest relationship? How can you trust anything that is happening in that relationship if you can't trust that there is honesty in the relationship? Let me ask you this. Aren't all people honest? Can't I count on everyone to tell me the truth? How sad is that? Well, okay. Certainly I could count on the government to tell me the truth. (laughs) What kind of reaction is that? I mean, hey, there are, didn't we vote them into place? (laughs) Be careful, they're gonna cut us out. YouTube will shut us down if you're not, if we're not careful here. I mean, we voted these people, they're elected officials. What else are they called? Public servants. These are people that we elected into position. They've taken oaths to take care of us, to uphold our constitution, and to care for the people, to represent the people of the United States or their district or their county or whatever. They are sworn to take care of us and to have our best interests in mind. And so certainly we can count on them to tell us the truth. Okay, well certainly, we can trust that when we send our children to school, that they're always going to hear the truth about history and the truth about science. And they're gonna get a worldview, a healthy moral worldview when they go to school. Now let me just, just, let me just say, thank God we have some Christian teachers that will try to do their best to help with that and Christian administrators that are trying to do their best to help with that. But wouldn't it be awesome to be in a place where you can, you can confidently send your kids to school and know that they're gonna come home 
with truth. Let me read you what a guy sent me just yesterday. It's a grandpa sent this to me. The indoctrination of this world is starting at such a young age. My youngest granddaughter, four years old, just came up to me and said, Grandpa, when I get married, I'm going to marry a girl because it's okay for girls to marry girls. Now, let me ask you, where does she hear that? She didn't hear it from mom and dad. I know the mom and dad. She didn't hear it from grandma and grandpa. I know the grandma and grandpa. Where does she hear that? She's four years old. Well, let's keep going. Certainly, I can count on um, doctors to tell me the truth about what's going on in my body, to tell me the truth about what's going on when things that are trying to attack my body are attacking my body. So I can certainly put my entire trust in them that when something like a pandemic happens or something like that, we're going to get the truth and nothing but the truth on all that is going on. Certainly we can trust in our all of our law enforcement and all those that are involved in the legal system, that we can trust them, that they're going to lead us and, and direct us and govern over us in a, in a way that is full of dignity and truth. Certainly we can count on every pastor in every pulpit to tell us the truth. Why are you shaking your heads no? Of course you can trust every pastor in every pulpit to tell you the truth about God and his word and about the world and the way it's going and about the things that are happening in the world. Isn't it sad that you can't with confidence say, absolutely, Phil, absolutely. Can I count on you to tell me the truth? the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help you God all the time no. <laughs> don't answer loud loud Larry don't answer that out loud Sorry. <laughs> here's some reality you want some reality public trust in American government has fallen steadily since 1965 you can see the graph go just like this since 1965 and research shows that only 20% of Americans say that they trust that those representing us in Washington will do what is right and best for us most of the time. It's estimated that only 30% of Americans believe that the media is giving us a fair and accurate representation of the news, and that percentage drops to 28% amongst young adults. Only one-third of Americans trust what's going on in Wall Street, and only 40% of Americans trust their religious leaders. That is sad right there. Less than half of the people in America believe that they can trust those who are standing in their pulpits leading them on religious matters, things of the heart, spiritual things. Well, today we're gonna to talk about the fact that we live in a world that is drowning in, de in deceit. We're experiencing the rapid erosion of trust in the institutions that have held our culture and our civilization together, the institution of government, the, the educational institutions, and the religious institutions. It's clear 
that we have lost faith in them. And according to Jesus, you guys, that's gonna get a lot worse as we get closer to the end of all times. Jesus told his disciples that deception will play a major role at the world at the end. And he says it in Matthew 24, verse four. Hopefully you have your Bibles open and we're gonna go right into it right now. Matthew 24, four, Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Specifically here, he's describing what will come in the form of counterfeit Christ. And so look at verse five. Many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. This has already been happening from back into the first century. There have been what they would call charlatans who sought, because they were seeking a following of men and women, they claimed to be the Messiah. Some were even described, if you historically go back and read about them, they are described as magicians because they seemingly had supernatural capability to be able to do things that no one else can do. And it has been in my opinion, silly and tragic that they have been able to obtain hundreds if not thousands of followers. But in the end, every single time with every single one of them, they were proven to be fakes. And in all the cases, the followers became the victims and they suffered from it all. But I wanna tell you that that's, that's the false Christ. I'm gonna tell you that there's something more sinister and there's something worse at work in these last days. And Jesus described it in verse 11. Look at it with me. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many. So Jesus says back in verse four, watch out. And he's talking to his followers. So he's talking to us. Watch out that no one deceives you. There are false prophets that are going to appear and deceive many people. So let me give you a definition of deceit, okay? This is our working definition. It's deliberately concealing, and, and lean into that word deliberately, okay? This is deliberate that's happening here. Deliberately concealing or misrepresenting the truth with the goal of leading others astray. That's what the word deceit means, and we are drowning in it right now in our world. Deception has been a constant theme in the story of mankind since the very beginning when Eve said these words, the serpent deceived me. You will actually find deception there in the first part of the Bible and you'll find deception at the end of the Bible where in Revelation 20.10, read it with me on the screen, then the devil who had deceived them, you get that? Who's deceiving? The devil was thrown into the, light, the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet, and there they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Three chapters into the Bible, in Genesis, you see the appearance of deception from Satan himself. Three chapters from the end of the Bible, you see Satan, the great deceiver, being cast into the lake of fire. Everything in between is a kingdom of deceit and the world is drowning in it right now. Come on, Phil. A growing deception is upon us. It's always plagued us, but what Jesus is describing is a deception that will explode in and around the period of the rapture moving into the tribulation. 
And what we're experiencing right now, I believe, is the pull of what some have called the apocalyptic deception. This is when there'll be a great deceiving going on with the Antichrist that will rise, and he will bring a, a great deception upon the whole world, and they will believe the lie, the scripture says. And he will establish his kingdom as the true Messiah, a false Messiah, the final Messiah that will come, the final false Messiah that will come to save the people. And he'll establish a kingdom and a government and a, a financial system and a health system and a religious system. And they will believe the lie, the scripture says. What we're experiencing right now is the pull towards that. I wanna stop for a second and I just wanna make something clear because I think some of you might be thinking something that I'm not saying. So I wanna make sure I'm clearing this up, okay? Here's what's going to happen and I believe this to be happening. There are other views, but I believe as I've studied the scripture that what we're, what we're, we're living in a time where we're coming closer and closer to the end of it all. That's what we're studying right now. And then I believe there will be the rapture of the church and then there is the, called the pre-tribulational rapture of the church, and then the rapture will take place. What we're reading in Matthew 24 and 25 are the events of the tribulation that are gonna come upon all mankind. You can read about them, and they, they actually parallel, Matthew 24 and 25, parallel what um, John wrote down in the book of Revelation. But what we're discussing right now are not, we're not in the tribulation period. What we're discussing right now are the birth pains which birth pains, the, the purpose of those is to get the uterus ready to deliver the child. And so they're getting things ready and moving things around for the delivery, for the, the great labor that results in the delivery. The labor and the delivery is gonna happen in the tribulation. What we're, do, what we're experiencing right now is the buildup to all of that. And Jesus said that it would be like birth pains. So all the things that we see, the signs of the times that we talked about last week, are actually what we are able to see that will increase in intensity and in frequency as we get close to the rapture of the church going into the tribulation period. So I wanna be clear of what I'm saying, that we're not, I don't believe we're in the tribulation period, I believe that we're close to the rapture of the church. Praise the Lord, that's going to happen here, and I think the way that things are speeding up, I believe we're getting closer and closer to the end. And you might knock me in the head 50 years from now and say, you were wrong, okay. Whatever, but I can guarantee you what we are seeing and what we're experiencing in the world today, and I haven't seen a pastor or had a conversation with an evangelical pastor yet that is not saying the same thing I'm saying, that Phil, we are close and we have gotta call our people to action. No matter when, because we don't know the time or the hour. Is that clear? Did I make it clear? Okay, if you're screaming at me online somewhere, I can't hear you if you're telling me that you don't. <laughs> I hope I've made that clear. But here's what it is. A growing deception is all around us and it is increasing in frequency and intensity and will come to abound before the rapture. It will come into full force as we enter into the tribulation after the rapture. Can you feel it? Yes. I know you can. We can feel its weight when politicians regularly fail to follow through and be, be true with the people and follow through with their, their campaign promises. You're a liar. If you say you'll do something, you get voted into office on what you say you'll do and then you don't do it. There's no other way to describe you. You're just a liar. Unless you get up and say, I thought I could do this, 
but I got into politics and realized I can't do this, so I'm really sorry. Okay, why don't you just be honest with us if that's the case and tell us. That's honesty. But it's dishonest and it's deceiving people to say, I'm gonna do this for you, and then you get voted in and then you don't do it. We feel the weight of this whenever that happens. We feel it. When the media tells us that up is down and down is up and that dark is light and that right is wrong and wrong is right, no matter what your eyes tell you and no matter what you know in your heart and know in your mind, no, you're wrong, we're telling you, and it's a lie. We feel it when scientists make wild claims about basic biology that don't stand up to common sense. We feel the weight of this. We feel it when governmental and security agencies practice censorship on its people in the name of protection, and they practice persecution in the name of peace. We feel it when social media platforms lie to our children about everything about them, about what is right and about what is wholesome. We can feel the weight, can't you? of this deception. Well, I wanna make something clear in our study today about where this deceit comes from because if you think, if, and maybe you've thought about this, you know what, I have the solution. Gather all of the dishonest people up and put them on a compound by themselves and let them lie to each other and separate them from everybody else and then if we gathered all the deceitful people together and put them on a compound out in Montana. Well, Montana doesn't want them. But wherever, they, wherever we could find a place to put them and separate them from society, then all will be well. Deception will stop. People will stop lying to each other. Of course, no. We all know better than that. But what I want to ask you is, do you know the source of deceit. Are you fully aware of what's actually happening? I want you to know, I want you to know the source of deceit so that your righteous indignation towards all that is false and deceptive in the world and all the lies in the world is directed to the right source. Because the worst thing that can happen is for us to get all upset and all distraught and start hammering on people who according to Jesus said they're just doing the will of their father, the devil. He was a liar from the beginning. They're doing the works of their father. We have gotta be careful that we redirect our anger towards all that's going on off of the people of deceit onto the true source of deceit. And in order to do that, we've gotta know our enemy. We've gotta know where he's coming from and we have to understand what is happening. That's what we wanna do here, because there is something behind all the world's deception. His name is Satan. He's called the enemy of our souls, and from the dawn of history, his primary tool has been deceit. Look at Revelation 12, nine I have on the screen here. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, is the one deceiving the whole world. True or not true? Are we reading truth here? Absolutely, we're reading truth from God's word. And so the one who is deceiving the world, his name is Satan, and he is the devil. John 8, 44, Jesus describes him this way. He was a murderer from the beginning, 
not holding to the truth, and there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Just as Jesus, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is full of truth. Just as Jesus is full of truth, Satan is full of lies. Jesus can't tell anything but the truth. Satan can't tell anything but lies. You got that? Even when it sounds like it's truth, it's not. It's a lie. The deceptive attack isn't just being unleashed on the world that will come to full strength in the tribulation. I believe that it is laser, this deceit is laser focused on the people of God right now. I believe Satan's doing everything he can to stop the progression of the Holy Spirit of God's work in the world through its people through deception. Even the deception that we might believe in and take in that there's danger out there and we need to suck back. We need to, we need to stop being in the limelight because we're going to be in trouble is a lie. And Jesus said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. You stand up whenever things get dark. Amen. That's what he tells us to do. Satan is laser focused on the people of God right now and he and his demons are masquerading, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, masquerading as false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. Are you hearing this? Do you realize that this is going on in the church of Jesus Christ right now? That there are demonic beings and Satan himself masquerading as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised, Paul says. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. My friends, we have got to be alert to his schemes, and we have to have our eyes wide open to his ancient strategy. I want to show you this, so take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 3 as I show you, because Satan is really not very creative. He might be created as the angel of light, but he, or the, whatever he was, I don't, whatever he was, I think, I, I don't know if I just misspoke or not, but he wasn't created to be what he is today. But he's not very creative. He only has one strategy, and he keeps using it over and over and over and over again. He's been using it from the very beginning. So I'm going to show you how he set it up and use it at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3. Paul says, we aren't ignorant of his schemes. And the reason he can say that is because he's only got one game plan. And I want to teach you this game plan so that you can stand against him, so you can recognize it and stand against him in your own life. All the way back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three. So here's what happened. God created the heavens and the earth. He put plants and animals on the earth and then he made man and when he got all done, he said, when he got all done, he said, this is very good. He put everything in a perfect environment. People were in a perfect environment. They were perfectly righteous. There was a perfect relationship between them and God. And then Satan appears on the scene the Bible says that he took the form of a serpent and he came in to deceive Eve. And in verse one of Genesis chapter three, I believe he's actually really testing Eve to see if she was really listening to what God had said. Keep that in your mind. But this is what he said. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, don't forget this is Satan in the serpent. It's not the serpent. Satan came and took on the form of the serpent and he says to the woman, Eve, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? 
Let me read that again. Did God say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Is that what God said? Okay, jump back and just keep your finger in Genesis 3 and Genesis 2. Jump back to 2.16. I'm gonna show you what God said. Here's what God really said, verse 16. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Isn't that interesting? I didn't give you Satan's challenge, right? Did they put it on the screen? The first thing that Satan does is challenge the truth. There's your, there's your, for you note takers that are like losing your minds right now, there it is right there. Satan challenges um, the truth. So God, he says, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees? That's not what God said. God said you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except, there's just one exception, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's only one tree that I don't want you to eat from. So Satan tries to water down the challenge and challenge what God had said, because this is what he does. Happens to us. We open the word of God, the read, and we read the clear, plain words of God. And we may read a verse that tells us that we must not do something that maybe we really want to do. And the next thing you know, someone shows up and tries to give you an alternative interpretation of what we clearly read that will tempt us to do what we know God has forbidden us to do. You see it happen even in the Church of Jesus Christ today where people want to do sinful things, the Bible is clear that says you cannot do those things and be a child of God, and yet you can actually find pastors who will give people an out and say, oh, it's okay, you can go ahead and do this because God loves you. That's deception from Satan himself. This is what Satan does. It is in that moment, my friends, that you must choose the truth of God and his word and act upon it or you will be deceived and end up suffering the consequences like all of us are suffering because of the deception that Satan had over Eve and over Adam. The Bible says that sin came into the world and judgment upon this world came upon this world because of the sin of one man. Tactic number two, so the first tactic is Satan challenges the truth. Tactic number two is that Satan contradicts the truth. So Eve tells Satan, no, if, if, if you eat from the forbidden tree, God says we can eat from the trees, but, but if we eat from the forbidden tree, then we will die. That's what she says to Satan. But Satan says to Eve in verse four of Genesis three, no, you won't. You won't die. A direct contradiction to the truth, right in her face. Doesn't even try to disguise it, just in her face, no you won't. Tells her the exact opposite of what God said because if verse 17 of Genesis chapter two, this is what God actually said, the day you eat from it, you shall surely die. Anyone want to challenge that? Anybody want to like debate what God means? It's pretty clear. That's how God communicates with us. But then back in verse five of chapter three, Satan adds his own twisted version of the truth. He goes, you won't die. That's not true. 
Verse five, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Do you know what he's actually saying to her? I can just almost hear him in a whisper. Eve, 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 you won't die. That's just what he wants you to think. If you disobey him, you will be like him. That's what he's communicating to her. If you disobey God, you will be like God, and God knows that, and so that's why he's telling you, don't touch that tree. He's planting in their minds the same prideful thoughts that got him thrown out of heaven. I will be like God, he said, and God cast him out of heaven for that. One of the easiest ways to see this tactic at work is to observe how our culture treats sin. Laying down the pure truth of the scripture, which by the way, this this nation was built upon. Laying down the pure truth of the scripture when it suits our own selfish pursuits. For instance, ever had anybody tell you that lying is a good thing? If you're trying to spare another person's feelings? Or when you're facing a case of situational ethics? Here's one. Adultery doesn't feel as wrong when you describe it as an affair of the heart or true love. Should never have married that person in the, in the first place. I have found my true love. So adultery doesn't seem so bad whenever you couch it in those kinds of terms. Homosexuality, gluttony, addictions are acceptable because they aren't the result of a personal choice that somebody makes, but genetic disorders or birth assignments or chemical imbalances. And I know that there's a lot of stuff around all of that, but the real reality is, we can go on and on with this, that Satan is attempting at truth replacement. And we are so good at believing his lives that right is wrong and wrong is right, and the Bible is clear, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to you, Satan, and all of you who work in the darkness, all of you workers of unrighteousness, woe to you. Judgment is coming upon you swiftly. The scripture actually tells us that soon we will trample Satan under our feet. Judgment is coming for people who deceive intentionally, deliberately try to turn people away from the truth. Satan challenges the truth, he contradicts the truth. Here's the third tactic, Satan cheapens the truth. First thing he does, he wants to discount God's generosity in chapter um, three, verse two. Look what Eve said about the trees. You know, Satan says, did God say you can't not to eat of every tree. She goes, no, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. Is that what God said? Do you know what God said? Jump back to 16 again on chapter two, verse 16. What did God say? You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. I just have one I don't want you to see from. What a generous God. But you see how he discounts, he gets her to discount 
the generosity of God by saying, yeah, we can eat the fruit from the trees of the garden. That's not what God said. She omitted God's abundant provision. Satan actually got her to focus on what she couldn't have, the fruit from the one tree, which, oh, we are so good at in Christianity, in the church of Jesus Christ. Get, if he can get us to focus on what you can't have and what you can't do, and so Christianity and religion, our religion, Christianity, true religion, just becomes a set of rules of things you can't do. Who wants to be part of that? You can't, you can't, you can't. That's not what God does to us. I have all these things for you to enjoy. Just stay away from unself, un, 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 unrighteousness because that's gonna kill you and destroy you. But everything else is for you. So he gets her to focus on not what she has, but what she doesn't have and forget about the generous allowances of eating of every tree, freely eating of every tree. My friends, if Satan could get you to question the grace and goodness of God in your life, then he's got you right where he wants you on the road to deception. Maybe you've been here before. You've been tempted by him to cry out, where is God? He doesn't answer my prayers. He doesn't even, he's not even hearing me. You begin to wonder, if God is so good, then why are these things happening to me? You've been there before? God's not good. If God was good, he wouldn't let these bad things happen to good people. Well, when you get there, you're right where Satan wants you. When you get to that point and you're tempted, like Eve was tempted, to discount the goodness of God in your life, and you need to start speaking truth into your circumstances. Speak it out loud. Amen. Is God good? Yeah. Do you want everybody, you all want to get involved in this? Is God good? So yes, he is. Has he ever let you down? Okay, why aren't you as excited about that? Yes, he's good. Has he ever let you down? No. No, I'm not sure. It kind of felt like it this one time. That's real. That's true. I've been there. But what is truth? Has God ever let you down? Has he ever let anyone down? Ever. Is he going to? No, he's not. Speak truth out loud to yourself and to your heart and to those around you who are trying to tell you something different. Amen. You have an awesome, generous God. He has never let you down. Has his provisional grace been sufficient for you in the past? Yes, yes it has. Yes. Has he given you precious promises to help you through every crisis? Yes, he has. Don't let Satan push you around. Don't let Satan push you into thinking God has abandoned you or is holding you back and holding his blessings from you somehow? When you open your heart's door to those kinds of thoughts and feelings, you open your heart to seeds of deception about the goodness of God and you're on a terrible, dangerous road because his desire is to discount God's generosity and more dangerously, he desires to diminish God's penalty. One more time, look at verse three. Eve says, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said if you do, you will die. Question, is that what God said? No, it is not. 
Once again, what did God say? If you eat that from that tree, you will surely die. Words matter. God doesn't put words frivolously in the Bible. He wrote, he said, surely die for a reason. But Eve left the surely part out and changed it with a diminished form of truth. And this is what happens when you don't take a literal approach to God's word. You guys, the Bible is clear. Hear me, everyone hear me. The soul that sins, it will die. If you don't find salvation in Jesus Christ, you will die in your sins and judgment will come upon you because of your sins. The wages of sin, what we earn because of sin is death. That's the real, true reality of the Bible. And when we start replacing the definite of the scriptures with the maybe, or we start replacing the must in the scriptures with a consider, when you start down that road of diminishment, you leave yourself wide open for Satan's deception. The devil doesn't want to help you. He wants to harm you. He doesn't want to build you up. He wants to destroy you. He's not interested in liberating you. He wants to enslave you. And he does this in simple, deceptive ways. He does it by sowing seeds of doubt in your mind about the truth of God's word. Don't let it happen to you. Watch out, Jesus said, that no one deceives you. Okay. I got four minutes to wrap this up. So what? Here's the so what. You ready? So let's get practical. How should we live in a world drowning in deceit? The first is obvious. Practical application number one, tell the truth. This is a quote that I've heard over and over again. The solution to pollution is dilution. Well, I would say the solution to deception is to flood it with the deluge of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you are a true child of God, hear me now. Don't discount this and let Satan discount this in you. You have the truth living inside of you. His name is the Holy Spirit. And you are people of truth. And people of truth study it. And they speak it. And they live it. We actually are supposed to, it's a gross word, but ooze with the truth of God in our lives. Ephesians 4, 17, Paul says it like this. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. Verse 25, stop telling lies. Isn't that interesting? The first thing out of the chute is tell the truth. How do you know a true believer? Because they tell the truth. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Colossians 3, 9. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on the new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Who is he? What is he like? He is the truth. You and I, because we're in Christ, are the embodiment of truth on the earth. People need the Lord. You hearing me? I'm gonna start, I'm gonna, I just wrote a song in my head. People need the Lord. When will we realize people need the Lord? When will we realize, what's that word? That we must give our lives. Sorry, Steve. 
For people need the Lord. Do you know that they do? Are you living like that with an urgency that we're so close to the end and people need to hear the truth? And if people are to know the truth that will set them free, it will be because we, the truth bearers, tell them the truth. We have got to live in truth because truthfulness and trust, like we said at the beginning, go hand in hand. If they are to trust us with the eternal message of salvation, then we must be people who always tell the truth. Yeah, but you know, Phil, what about little white lies? You know, what about, um, yes, the check's in the mail. Or, I'm sorry, officer, I didn't realize the speed limit was. Liar. <laughs> if I was a cop, I would say, then why did you slam on the brakes when you saw me? <laughs> I, could, I could see you going, huh, I could see that. I'm sorry, officer, I thought all that stuff at the checkout counter were free samples. <laughs> Listen, as a culture, what have we turned into? As long as it's not over $1,000, take whatever you want. As a culture, we've convinced ourselves that dishonesty is only dangerous if it actively harms another person. I want to tell you that is a silly lie from the pit of hell itself. Can I show you why I can say that? I can say that with all confidence because in Proverbs 12, 22, I have it on the screen, it says that the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. Proverbs chapter six, you can read about the seven things that are on a list that God says, you know what, I think I'm gonna write down the things so that you guys are clear what I hate. So there are seven things that God hates and they're detestable. Did you know that two of them have to do with honesty? He hates lying lips and he hates a false witness. He hates both of them. Truthfulness, my friends, is a big deal to God and you are people of God, so tell the truth. We are to be constantly telling the truth no matter what the cost. Don't let Satan deceive you into thinking anything else. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Practical application number two, test the truth. Paul and Silas went to a place and preached the truth of the gospel to a group of Jews in what's called Berea. And in Acts 17, their praises are sung in verse 11 where it says, the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. I encourage you to do the same thing with me and anyone else who stands in this pulpit. You go home and you search the scripture day after day to make sure that we are teaching you the truth of God's word. But as a result, verse 12, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. I wanna ask you a question, my friends. As people of the truth, do you search the scriptures daily? This is where you find truth, right here. You get into this daily, and the closer we get to the end, and the, close, and, and the, the, the greater, with more intensity and frequency, deception is poured out on the earth through satanic means, the people of God better be equipped with the truth. You put on the belt of truth, and you stand up, but you can't do, you, you don't get it by osmosis, you know, don't put your, your under your pillow and hope that you're gonna receive something. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. You open God's word daily and be like the Bereans. 
More than ever, we need to be in the word because of what's happening all around us. And then this final one, practical application number three, walk in the truth. John said this in John 3, 4. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Those are the words of John. I think I said Paul. Those are the words of John. But can't you just hear the the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ? How awesome would it be to hear the Lord say, hey, people in Bristol, Indiana, church in Bristol, Indiana, I'm hearing testimony that you are remaining faithful to the truth and that you are continuing to walk in it. It does my heart such great joy to hear that my children are walking in the truth. We need to speak it. We need to study it. We need to test it. We need to walk in it. And we need to live it. Let's be the truth, my friends. Let's stand against the things that are false in this world and that are increasing in deception of this world and stand up for the things that are true. Let's stop posturing, okay? And let's actually live and be the people that we want others to think that we are. As the waters of deception continue to rise to tribulation levels, the world is watching and the world is listening. So let's be the answer to to deception by telling the truth, testing the truth, and walking in the truth. Stand to your feet. Let me pray over you. As always, our team will be down here. Our prayer team will be down here. And you know, you know what's awesome about the Lord is that He's full of grace, and He's full of mercy. And so, He loves it when His people fail. And they get on their knees before him and they humble themselves and say, I am sorry that I have failed. Help me to get back up and live and walk in the truth. And maybe you haven't been. And maybe you just want to come and confess that today and you want some help with that. That's fine. Maybe you would like to, because you're hearing my voice today and inside your heart, you know you are not a person of truth. We can help you with that, and you can, come, you can become a believer today through the truth of God's word and the truth of the gospel. It can be applied to your heart, and you can be saved today. We would love to help you with that. Come and talk to us about that. Reach out to us. Father, in this crazy world we're living in, full of deception and growing in deception, and the attack that, the, that Satan and his demons are are waging against the world and against the church of Jesus Christ, give us the strength to stand for truth and apply it to our lives. Help us to stay in your word daily, Lord, so that we get a daily Holy Spirit-guided tour of truth every single day. Help us and bless my brothers and sisters as we leave this place. Help them to be bright, shining lights out in the world of darkness and in the world of deception. Help them to live the truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love you so much. Take care. Share some love on your way out, okay?